They were high school sweethearts that got married and had two kids. It's the Brunigs. From a new location, they tweet all day, but that's okay. They're the Brunigs. She is a journalist. He is a wonk. Wonk, wonk, wonk. They talk about the news or whatever they want. In the fight for justice, they're on your side. You can't deny it's the Brunigs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to our low-effort, low-quality podcast. This is Liz Brunig. This is my husband, Matt. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'd like to report that we have fucked up recently. We had a guest on, and somehow Zencaster didn't work or some sort of fucked up thing. Uh, so sorry about that, but we will re-record. We'll make it up to you. Uh, we are always thinking about the listeners. We know the listeners love the guests. Uh, so so we, we, we'll get back on that. But in the meantime, we wanted to make sure we kept the content flowing because uh, it's all about the content out there and uh now the news cycle seems to have substantially slowed down anybody else feel like the the pressure's off in a certain respect in the well i know i feel that way because i've been going to brunch every day matt was literally at brunch today um well i was at lunch i wouldn't say brunch brunch. because well you were at like Um, a breakfast establishment right Mm, you know i guess yeah mm. so matt was at brunch uh he got the he got the little crystal pitcher of mimosa you remember bitches who brunch i do remember i don't think we've ever brunch. talked about that on that, here. that was a horrible dc blog oh, um, oh it's more it's expanded beyond dc oh god it's a whole lifestyle mm. brand bitches um, whom brunch extended universe mm-hmm. uh there's this weird i don't know it's hard to oh, even describe it here where do you brunch so when you get when you go to the oh, front page bitches who brunch.com the uh you're you're given an option you have to pick which city you're in so you got boston chicago washington dc or new york so which one would you say i guess we do dc that was the og right Yeah, we were in dc for a time i think it was initially a dc it was initially Um, a dc thing because there's this whole culture of like uh you know flax and lobbyists and shit like that about about staffers going to brunch together Bitches Who Brunch tells you where to brunch, sweat, and where to party in Boston, New York, Chicago, and Washington, D.C. Where to sweat? Like spin, soul cycle, like yoga. spin, yeah, spin yeah. cycle. They go through the whole, okay, yeah. I see. God almighty. So it's, yeah, it's like fitfluencers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We publish every weekday from events to party recaps, theater reviews, easy and delicious recipes, and brunch reviews and guides throughout the week. Interested in reading our readers? Click here. Reading, reaching our readers. Click here to learn more about partnering with us. I would love to reach your readers. So we've got. Um, you want to see some of the people here? Um, Megan Morrissey, the Boston food editor. When Megan is home from her global travels as a pharmaceutical marketer. Hell yeah. <laughs> You can find her tapping back at spin class or tapping into Boston's restaurant and bar scene. Oh, God. She's never met a Belgian waffle she didn't like. God damn, it keeps throwing shit up. I can't read. <laughs> it's just this infinite scroll. <laughs> just running, just yeah. throwing ads at me. and making. <laughs> she's never met a Belgian waffle she didn't like and lives by the motto, work hard, brunch harder. 
Okay. Uh, I, I, let me just say, I did. Have, we were in Boston for a time. Matt went to Boston University Law School uh, while I was an undergrad at Brandeis in Waltham, which is nine miles out on the commuter rail. And uh, we spent some time in Boston. And I would say the quintessential Boston experience that I recall is at one point... Uh, I was in the city and I was standing on, uh, you know, at a crosswalk and the light was red, but there were no cars coming. And like most people in Boston, I was like, I'm just going to jaywalk. And as I prepared to jaywalk, <coughs> I, I locked eyes. I made sustained eye contact with this uh, port, you know, portly police officer I hadn't noticed before. And uh, he, he just looks straight at me. And as I begin to step off the curb, he goes, uh-uh, don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. <laughs> don't waste your time. That's a fair. And so fair. I just got back on the curb and waited. That was, uh, that was one of the most uh, efficient police warnings I've ever received. Brew, Brew here got us a ticket for jaywalking one time mm -hmm. in the community of South Lake. I paid my ticket as far as they I know. They were discriminating against me. As far as I know, Matt did not pay his ticket and is probably wanted in South Lake. It was working Lake. class discrimination. Here we go. <clears throat> Jessica Herrera, the mm -hmm. New York food editor. Jessica, okay. Jessica was born and raised on Long Island and is fluent in pasta. So naturally, she landed on the New York City Bitches Who Brunch team. Naturally. When not brunching, you can find her baking, be it desserts or makeup. Baking makeup. Mineral makeup. Or curled up on the couch with a good book. She's still searching for a restaurant that will let her eat brunch in pajamas. Will they stop you? Yeah, yeah I go to got, all If you the got time. shoes and a shirt on. I don't have any like, problem You can't eating. reject legal tender. The civil rights issue. <laughs> eating any place. It's just me beating on the doors of my local bruntery <laughs> in a nightgown <laughs> and sneakers. Kristen is our Chicago food editor and social manager. From 9 to 5, she works at a Great Lakes nonprofit. But after hours, she loves exploring Chicago, looking for dog-friendly bars and good biscuits. Does her dog drink? I guess. It's true. It would be difficult to get a bar to serve a dog. <laughs> it's legal tender. This is a civil rights issue. I don't know what the laws are on that. Is that, a, is that animal abuse? I think you could. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, squirrels get drunk when they eat fermented pumpkins and shit so caitlin spends her weekdays working in the pr world Same. and battles office chair fatigue by looking for the hottest new fitness studios from barry to boxing it's bar it's like a ballet type thing yeah so yeah just i mean remarkable I, remarkable they did not pay us for this ad no but you can definitely subscribe if you're a bitch um, and you brunch uh you know but we, we we should say there's this horrible horrible noxious culture in dc uh i'm a pretty easy person to get along with i think generally mm. i i like lots of people i, I usually find people interesting um <coughs> uh, you know that's why i'm in the line of work i'm in is because i find people very interesting and like to spend time with them and and just kind of hear about their inner lives what's going on with them the things they're going through uh but this particular culture was just so noxious which was like pr flax who work for lobbying firms or politicians right their staffers on the hill or uh, media organizations or whatever hanging out at brunch with think tank people uh, other hill staffers uh, other flax from from lobbying organizations, uh, you know, lots of embassies sending out PR people to do the kind of whining and dining routine, uh, Gulf state money, which is basically the 
the <laughs> the engine of the entire DC think tank scene for some reason. Yeah, for sure, definitely on the foreign policy, and even weirdly enough, in like yeah. Cap and yeah, I hope you, know. you like having your domestic policy determined by the king of Saudi Arabia because that's what's happening. Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, uh, uh, mortgage backed securities. Yeah, king mortgage backed king securities. mortgage backed securities. <laughs> He's creating uh, you know multiple futuristic cities in the Saudi desert. Yeah, it kicks ass that uh, they did nine eleven to us, and then some of them threatened to do it to Canada, and we're just like, haha, rascals. Yeah, <laughs> gosh, look at that. Anyway. Uh, while we're uh, just completely bending over for the people who who murdered Americans on 9-11, uh, they are running our think tank scene. And there's a huge amount of, of cash that goes into the PR side of that um, and the, the courtship of think tanks for these grants and so forth. And they always want to go to brunch. They always ask journalists to brunch. They're like, hey, you, you know, you have an opinion spot in The Washington Post. Do you want to come to brunch? You want to grab some mimosas? Excuse me, I have a child. And I'm like, no, I'm an adult. I don't fucking go to brunch. If you want to buy me a drink or something, I guess you can. But I'm just going to sit there kind of unhappily with the whole thing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not interested in this, whatever it is. I don't want it. Feels like I'm being proselytized. And I, I just can't do it. And there's also like a, a, like a faux peppiness to the whole thing. Well, that's for sure. That's the whole bitches who brunch lifestyle right, brand. Right. It's, it's like super peppy in a way that's kind of unbearable. I mean, and I, I understand that people present themselves professionally in professional contexts, and they're just trying to kind of get along within the norms of society. I completely respect that. Do the same thing. Um, but it, interpersonally, it comes off as very aggressive at times, <laughs> right? Where I know someone is being disingenuous, and I'm like, listen, can't we just be honest? What do you want me to write? And I'll tell you if I'm going to do it or not. Right? Like, just be like, here's what I want in the post, and I'll say yes or no, and, you know, the answer is almost always no, right? Or I'll take it under advisement. But P People come to me, and I, and they want me to not write things. Yeah, well, so that's you're... The, you're that's a very difference. You're completely immune like, to... Matt, can you please stop that? God damn. Yeah, no, we, I also get that I'm sorry, you. but it's correct, so I won't. I get tons of make but I stop. So I won't. Make it's Matt accurate. stop emails, make Matt stop DMs. Remember the time that guy told me that you were never going to work in D.C. again and then said, but don't tell him I said that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is my husband, sir. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to keep your silly. He was threats. right, though. Uh, but it was more of a blessing than a curse. It's right like though, your husband's won the lottery, but don't tell him. OK, I'll keep it to myself then, bitch. Uh, anyway, just a just quite a quite a. Quite a little culture going on there. If Trump had really drained the swamp, if he had erased the brunch culture of D.C., that would have been quite a remarkable thing. But unfortunately, it's it's still there. It's surging back. Um, you know, there will be lots of bottomless mimosas. God, in the springtime, you're going to see so much cherry blossom shit. People wearing masks, sitting at outdoor tables, dining al fresca. I just can't deal with it. Absolutely. Oh, Pandemic's God. over. Time to get me a mojito. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're always in the cherry blossom season in D.C. Everything's cherry flavored for a while. Yeah. Oh, I got my cherry mojito. Got my cherry margarita. There are not actually cherries on those trees, though. No, they're it's not the weird cherry thing. fruit trees, right? But but they, but that's that's the way that the marketing approximates it. So everything you eat in D.C. for a while is, is cherry flavored. Yeah, fine, it's pretty good flavor, but it's pick unrelated. So I don't know what that's all about. But anyway... Uh, so yes, um, 
Matt and I were passed over for inclusion in the bitches whom brunch uh, circle because we had children young. Uh, no men on bitches who brunch. I feel like there might be some discrimination going on there. I, uh, that, that is strange because there are male PR people. Uh, and it's very, they're very strange creatures. You know, because they also affect the faux peppy thing, which is even weirder and more obviously. Well, some of them do. You know, not all of them. Have you? I'm so. So, have you ever dealt with the the male PR who's just like a you know a complete sociopath openly? That's also a type. Um, I know I've dealt with PRs that are just normal normal people. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are. Some of them are really great people. Look at Izzy who tweeted from Keith Ellison's official account, Benny Hanna up in this bitch. That was a great tweet. Fucking legend. That was a great tweet. Absolute legend. He's with Ilhan now. Uh, also a legend in her own right. Uh, at any rate, uh, sorry for that little digression on the things that we miss about the Washington, D.C., the district, as Matt always called it, the district. Uh, I believe for a while Matt referred to it as Piss Town. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people would say, this town, you know, this town. And uh, Matt took to replying, piss town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Ooh, memories. Um, memories. Know, we should start the show with a brief uh, update on the welfare state. Okay. Where are we on our checks? So we have, uh, you know, they're, they're discussing the stimulus check situation. Yeah. I remember we had a, a check in um, March, last April, uh, where you got uh, 1200 per adult, 500 per child. Adult mm-hmm. dependents were excluded as well as certain uh, foreign-born foreign, uh, foreign born people. Uh, there was some exclusions, what? but for the most part, it was, it was good to go. Okay. Um, and then we had 600, remember, that went out in December. Um, and then, you know, Biden and uh, the Georgia senators, they were saying, hey, we're going to get you 2000 if you put us in. Now, there was initially, as you know, as everyone knows by now, for God's sakes, this big kerfuffle. Wait, is 2000 in addition to the 600 or is it 2000 including the 600, meaning we'd have a $1,400 check? People went back and forth on that. At this point, it's pretty clear they're only going to do 1400 if they're going to do anything at all. So whatever. I don't know. You know, is that promise betrayed? Certainly, it probably is not great PR. But now we're in the situation where they're not going to give 1400 to the same people who got 600 At least that's the discussion. That's what uh, Mr. Jeff Jeffrey Stein is putting out in the, in the Washington Post based on his sources, that whereas you used to be eligible for the $600, you were eligible for it as long as you had an income below 75000 for a single person or $150,000 for a married couple, they're going to bring that number down to like $40,000 or $50,000. Mm-hmm. So they're going to phase it out earlier, phase it out more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, why? I don't know why. It's very unclear to me why they want to do that uh, to save money ostensibly. But uh, what's what's the constraint? What are, what what kind of money? What what are we up against as far as, as the money wall goes? Um, it's It's very unclear to me. Um, and you know, I was, I put in a, uh, and also just politically, I mean, imagine, think about this. They're going to be a big chunk of people who got the first Trump check, who got the second Trump check. And then they're like, all right, guys, the third check's going out. And then they don't get it because they had an income that was, you know, an, uh, uh, low enough to qualify for the Trump checks, but not low enough to qualify for the Biden checks. It seems like it's going to be a disaster. What if it was the Trump checks that put you over the line? 
You know, I don't... the Biden checks. They are not charging that as income. I don't think that's counting towards adjusted gross income. Um, But it's a good question. Got me this time. It's a good question. The other thing is, and this is the quote I gave to Stein in the post, is when they say we're basing it on, you know, do you have more than $75,000 of income, what you got to ask yourself, and I've been hitting this drum as hard as I can lately, is how do they know how much income you have? Yeah. And the answer for all this stuff is, well, the IRS knows. You say, well, how does the, what, what do you mean the IRS knows? And it's like, well, you file tax. You say, well, I haven't filed tax for 2020. In fact, they just opened the tax thing for 2020. I think maybe today or yesterday, or maybe it's not open yet. It's not even possible to have filed your 2020 taxes yet. And the vast majority of people will not have filed their 2020 taxes until, you know, March or whatever. And so... They're going to be basing it on 2019 income information, but 2019 was goddamn one, two years ago, and there was a pandemic and mass job loss in the middle of it. So they're, they're basing it on income that's completely inaccurate for a large chunk of people, like way more inaccurate than even it usually is two years behind because of all that's happened in the, in the interim. So I don't know, man. It just seems like uh, they're just sort of negotiating themselves into a quagmire here, both on the merits and, and on the politics of it. Yeah. Um, now, I did see uh, Rashida Tlaib. She tweeted out that post, and she endorsed my argument. She says, quote, quit messing around and send people the survivor checks we promised them. Using 2019 income data totally ignores the economic destruction of the pandemic and eliminates the promise to bring relief. That was repeated nonstop in the campaign to win Georgia. So she has picked up my arg. She's yeah. running with it, so... More think-fluencing, more think-fluencing from uh, PPP, best in the game. Uh, we'll see what happens on the stimulus checks, but that's where we are. So if you're waiting for your money, that's that's uh, you know that's what I know, and I'm I'm on the bleeding edge. I know I'm I you know I'm I'm in the game. I'm an insider, so yeah. um, that's that's what's likely going to happen. They're going to they're going to chop it down uh, and make make less people eligible to it. Means tested more strictly than before. So that's not good. I don't think so. Seems weird to Can't me. Can't support that. Um, and that's after cutting it from 2000 to 1400, which I mean, they'll say, well, we didn't cut it, but whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you, you kind of won that battle and you got it down to 1400, and now you're going to, mm-hmm. you, you're not even going to give the 1400, you know, at least to a big chunk of people. That's They're not, not even going to get that shit anymore. So, so. I, I see on our, on our roster here, <laughs> our lineup, uh, you know, that we're going to, the, the topics we're going to hit in the show, you have written, quote, Chuck Marr, comma, retire bitch. Uh, yeah, that wasn't intended to be read. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, who? Uh, 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 so belay that. Uh, so, so who is Chuck Mar and what should he do? So this is on the welfare state front. So we're keeping track of the child benefits. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of action on child benefits. It's not just the Biden CTC. I think we got more stuff coming out. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Keep your eyes out for that. But there was another piece written about the Biden child tax credit plan. And, of course, yours truly, as the, as the best in the game on this subject, uh, was quoted extensively, helped, uh, you know, move the piece along. It was in The New Yorker. Um, and uh, interesting, Chuck Marr is one of my uh, think tank nemeses because he's at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. So he has a big impact on, you know, what, uh, what the Democrats do. And as you can tell, they don't do good stuff. So I don't know. Like, it just seems weird to me. Maybe, you know, not doing his job very well. But um, Mr. Marr, um, he uh, 
you know, so far he's been the he, him and his team, I think, have been the ones pushing this Biden child tax credit stuff. And of course, I've been out here since day one saying, what about this problem? What about this problem? What about this problem? Yep. And as far as I know, CBPP, they don't like to comment about these kinds of things. But they got him. They got him in the New York piece. They got him commenting in the New Yorker piece. Mr. Chuck Marr at CBPP. You ready? Yeah, okay. When I raised some of Brunick's points with Chuck Marr, i.e. my points about uh, people are going to have to pay back over yep. overpayments and there are going to be clawbacks and there's going to be a huge goddamn mess based on the way you guys have designed this shit. When I raised some of Brunick's points with Chuck Marr, he conceded that there was a, quote, major design issue and making sure that low-income families weren't put in a position where they would have to pay back more money than they have. That's a victory for me right there. V for victory. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Concedes the point. I win the arg. Now the big question is, why the hell was it ever designed this way in the first place? Why have I got to be the one that points this shit out? I don't make the big bucks. Not on the think tank. I do on the podcast. How hard is it to be out here on day one? uh, You know, saying what it is you say. That's their job. Uh, Do you you have that clip, by the way, of Alex Jones? Uh, This is a crucial piece of Brunig lore uh, to be out there on day one saying 9-11's an inside job. I'll pull it up. You can talk amongst Um, yourself. So, uh, you know, there are these little, uh, every, every marriage has memes. You guys, with your partners, with your friends, your buddies, your family, you got memes, internal memes. Uh, and uh, Matt is a, a prolific uh, Alex Jones uh, knowledge I, aggregator. I pulled all that shit from YouTube. Fuck. I can't search it anymore. Uh, so Alex Jones has since been severely canceled because he, he trolled parents of Sandy Hook. Yeah, victims. he's being censored. Um, and he said, uh, you know, it was an inside job, and that it didn't happen, that there were crisis actors. Uh, he got sued. The parents won, justifiably. And so now, you know, all of his crazy, insane conspiracy shit has been scrubbed from the internet. Uh, and after Alex Jones was uh, kicked off of the internet, he, uh, or the Brunig's podcast became, you know, the number one source of uh, conspiratorial weird shit. Um, well, actually, True Anon probably has us beaten. But, you know, we, we immediately moved into the top three. Uh, and uh, yet we remember Alex Jones and the just unparalleled content mill that he was. Um, there was a, a time when he held that um, Hillary Clinton couldn't really open a pickle jar, and he brought a pickle jar out. And uh, n- He was right about that one. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely right about that one. He was no. So Hillary was on, I think Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> yeah, and she was trying to prove, you know, that she wasn't physically weak because she had just fainted uh, or something like that. And so, uh, you know, the little gag was Jimmy Fallon was like, "Well, if you're not weak, open this pickle jar." <laughs> and she opened it; and she had no problem. But the problem is the jar didn't pop, mm-hmm. which means it had already been opened. You know how a pickle jar pops when it's not been opened, right? And but that's like the difficulty is getting it open for the first time, overcoming that suction and going. Yeah. But hers didn't do it. It just kind of came off normally, which means it had already been opened. Mm-hmm. He was fucking right about that. Yeah. So, you know, if he's right about that, what else is he right about? That's all well, I'm saying. No, that's uh, all I'm saying. I remember that segment with the pickle jar uh, has him saying, you know, she twisted it, but she didn't pop it. You got to pop it. You got to pop it. 
and it, re- it referring to the fair. vacuum seal. That's fair. Uh, and the way that it releases when you open the pickle jar. But, it, it, you know, it was so, so deranged. But another one of his beliefs was that 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, government perpetrated 9-11 to take our guns or something. And uh, he had a YouTube segment where he just got extremely frustrated with the fact that uh, people were now catching up to the idea that 9-11 was an inside job, but he had been out here since day one. Uh, Something like something that. Something along those lines. I mean, he, I, he would I, get furiously pissed. He was just pissed. really good, just kind of reflecting on how hard it was. He, he would get extremely he lost, pissed. Yeah. He lost all of his radio shows and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it should... I don't know, man. They scrubbed all this shit from YouTube. It was... What a loss. What, what a, a cultural loss, loss that for history. Is. I hope Library of Congress has Just it all. Just because he said some defamatory stuff about dead children. I mean, God almighty. We yeah. got it. We don't we, now we don't get to enjoy you know how hard it was to be out on day one saying nine eleven was an entire That job. is I'm pretty sure that's the exact quote. That is, is the quote. Do you know and how at the hard end of the clip was? he loses his mind so much? His temper boils up so high that <laughs> he lets he, a child. There's a kid just inexplicably there, like on Skype, who is Skyped in for some reason. And he's just like, All right, Alex, or, you know, Jesse, take it over. Yeah. And Jesse's like, Yeah, so we have to make sure that the New World Order doesn't take us down. And so you can buy our books at mm-hmm. Infowars.com. And like uh, Jesse did a really good job yeah, closing he, it out, getting the plugs <laughs> in. <laughs> he closed up shop. He locked it up, put the chairs on the tables. <laughs> Jesse, for a ten-year-old, it was we, a good deal. We should absolutely get Jane down here, and then we can just be like, "All right, Jane, take us out." <laughs> and for the for the last fifteen minutes, you just get a four-year-old's unfiltered id. Uh, that could be a Patreon <laughs> perk. At any rate. Uh, how hard was it, Matt, to be out here on day one saying universal child benefit better than phase in, phase out crap? You know, people, they sometimes, you know what they accuse me of? They say, Matt, you just don't like the Democrats. You just bring this shit up because you don't like the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yet, Mr. Chuck Marr over at CBPP says I was right. They can't believe that me, whiling away at my uh, tiny little think tank, might have some insights that all the top minds in the DC policy world somehow didn't have. They can't believe that, but it's true. It's true. Not that I'm smarter than them. I just care more. That's you, all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Oh, but I mean, you do think you're. I think they must have known this problem. I don't know, man. I mean, how do you get to this point and not see this problem? Like, what what are you making the big bucks for if you don't see this problem? That's all I'm saying. So, to my mind, you know, either you don't care about it. Or you're dumb. I say it's nicer just to say, oh, they just don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. Well, that's very generous of you. Uh, you always try to, uh, I think, give your benefit, you know, your opponents the benefit of the doubt. Uh, <coughs> you know, the the maximal intellectual charity. Um, that's right. At any rate. All right. So that's the welfare state update. Uh, like I said, keep your eye on that. It's looking good. Uh, yeah. With me, it's looking awful. But like uh, <laughs> new things are coming. I think new things are in the pipeline. That's all I'm saying. I got my ear to the ground here in D.C. So uh, keep an eye on, uh, on for that. So we're going we're gonna to move on to, uh, to uh, our next segment, which is... Um, uh, yeah, what's going on in the woke sphere? Oh, the woke sphere. Okay, uh, that's great. You know, that's another, there's the welfare front, and then there's the woke theater. Okay, uh, great, This is great. like the Pacific and European theaters in World War II. Great. Uh, these are the zones where conflict is happening right now. 
Uh, so you guys may remember uh, Jessica La Bombalera, mm-hmm. right? So, I do remember her. Uh, so Jessica La Bombalera uh, was an individual who presented herself uh, as, as she was a George Washington University professor with a degree in African-American studies, PhD, who'd done research and publication in that field. Um, and she had gone about life in a, in a kind of uh, unusual way, presenting herself as uh, not only um, black, as in the case of Rachel Dolezal, but as Afro-Latina, complete with an accent. Yeah, she, uh, had, she had the, du- the dual, the dual uh, ethnicity there. Do we, have the, do we have the tape lined up? Oh, yeah, yeah, you want the tape. I let's, mean, this has got to be the introduction. I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's three yeah, let's, minutes let's, long, yeah, but you this, can get a sense of uh, yeah, Jessica. her shtick. I'm Jessa Bombalera. I'm here in El Barrio, East Harlem. Uh, you probably know this neighborhood because the Hosanna Melissa Mark Viverito, who used to be the speaker of your city council, sold my fucking neighborhood to developers and gentrifiers. So I got a couple of things to say. And when y'all come on sometimes. and tell me my time stops, fuck out of here. It's been seven <laughs> okay. hours. Now only right. I have to listen to these cops. And not just the cops, but to be honest with y'all, city council members, you posing like you opposing them for your sound bites, for your social media, for your re-election campaigns. Fuck out of here. She's You've wearing been supporting purple the cops in the pandemic yeah, when the MTA was strapped and you supported putting more cops on the MTA. Fuck out of here. We know where you're coming <laughs> from and we know what these little photo opportunities all right, so she uh, she has, like you said, uh, multiple um, graduate degrees and is a professor, um, and she's just, fuck out of here with your MTA cops. Yeah, so. Uh, so, you know, now we know there are many such cases, right? <coughs> uh, and, uh, you know, she came out in a Medium post and said, you should cancel me, I cancel myself, I deserve whatever I get. Uh, and now there's a Washingtonian profile of her. Um, you were assigned with reading this. Did you do it? Uh, yes. Uh, so it turns out it, so. Uh, it turns out she is she is not from El Barrio, as she was suggesting. Mm. She had peddled a kind of hard luck story about growing up abandoned by her father, raised by her drug addicted, abusive Puerto Rican mother in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out she's actually from Overland Park, Kansas. I've been there. Why? I was there when I was on the Nader campaign, collecting cigs. Cigarettes? Yep. <laughs> For I was just bumming cigs, and then I, would, <laughs> I would talk to people about Ralph. That was my, that was our guerrilla marketing. You just... Be like, hey, can I have a cig? And then they'd be standing outside and be like, you hear about this guy, Ralph Nader? He's just blasting cigs, like, chatting Ralph. You know about seatbelts? <laughs> That's him. That's him. He's running for president. He's got bigger, Man. bigger fish to fry these days. I don't know if Ralph would support you blasting cigs for him. He's he's pretty into health and yeah, safety. Yeah, no, he's a big health guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I believe Matt was collecting signatures to get Ralph on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, uh, Overland Park, Kansas, is an upper middle class uh, white suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. Uh. And, uh, you know, he, the writer uh, spends some time, I think, being careful about this. But, but the reality is there is, there's just no possible way that any of the ethnic uh, ties she suggests she has, she actually has, right? She had a bat mitzvah when she turned 13. Her last name is actually Krug, 
Mm-hmm. Not La Bombolera. Krug woman. Uh, she's yeah, the opposite she's a Krug of Krugman. Woman, yeah. Uh, is a woman the opposite of a man? I don't know if that's the case. Um, oh, well, you I don't know, consider many people have said. People say the opposite sex, but it's I don't know if that's actually right. Uh, at any rate, uh, so she went to private schools, the Barstow School, which matters for some reason. She sounds like she was into 90s shit. She favored a hippie look, the profile says. Flannel shirts, tie-dyes, Birkenstocks, just 90s shit, looking like you're in the Blair Witch Project ass. Uh, you know, it's fine, whatever. It wasn't the worst thing about the 90s. That was Biden. Welfare <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, reform, actually. Yeah, it was actually that. Uh, at any rate, uh, she tr- she was, you know, a plagiarist. She was caught plagiarizing in her high school's lit mag, uh, where she would submit borderline sexually inappropriate shit. Uh, but like that's fine. I mean, you know, that's normal for a lit mag. That's normal for a lit mag. It's normal for high school. It's also just like there was a lot of transgressive literary shit going on in the '90s before it just got completely uh, tired. Um, you know, she went off to college uh, and apparently just kind of cut off her family. Um, and she wound up at, at grad school, I believe, at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, and she, at the time she identified us and we pronouns as her preferred pronouns, which, um, I find kind of interesting. Apparently us and we, well, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that was allowed. (laughs) Well, I, I think, I think she would do this in the context of studying with other students in the AFAM studies program. So she'd be like, you know, we, us, referring to these other students who were black and sometimes But Afro-Latino. what would you refer to her as? Well, I like if I, I were trying to say, Jessica came in today. Us was really nice to no, me. No, no. Would you say that? They were really nice to me. Um, no, but I, I think she was doing this in the context of, you know, uh, other students. So uh, she begins at that point presenting herself as black even though she had like a blonde buzz cut um and she kind of started policing other people's blackness so she would she would tell other black students like i'm from the ghetto of kansas city and well, I, from bronx right well no this, she, she, she wasn't this, saying it yet. morphed over time i say okay well, there's um, got to be some parts. Uh, you and know. then she said that she went to mostly black schools, not true, been conceived when her black mom, an abusive drug addict, was raped by her white dad. Uh, you know, she she called them all bougie all the time. It was a good bit. Uh, she claimed that she was in the midst of a crumbling long-distance marriage to a Nigerian man. Oh, no. Yeah. He was like, excuse me. (laughs) In order to get my money from the bank, I need to marry an American woman. And then she must pay me $10,000 so that I may pay her $50,000. And then we must consummate the marriage. Mm -hmm. And then you will get your money back times five. Mm -hmm. She was like, sign me up for that shit. That's how our marriage worked. Uh, so she, she moves to New York at some point to finish her dissertation. This is like in 2010. Uh, and, and then she begins talking about being Puerto Rican, not just black. So previously she had just identified as African American. That's a better call. I feel like for her looks. And then, and then circa 2010, she starts saying, no, 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 I, I actually have this Puerto Rican, 
uh, background. Um, she then explained that Krug wasn't actually her her family name. She started saying, no, that my grandmother has, has Alzheimer's and started calling us Krug, but it's actually Cruz. Uh, okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, so, your gra- yeah. w- w- at what age did your grandmother have all? She was born with it. <laughs> like, well, how, how did she? I mean, because if you're a full grown ass, uh, you know, kid, and your Alzheimer's parent starts using the incorrect last name, I don't think you would then change your own last name. Yeah. No, I. Uh, <laughs> I would have to really push on her there and be like, "I'm sorry, this doesn't add up." Yeah, I. Uh, I think that maybe. You know, I mean, what's fascinating about this story, right, is that lots of people saw that it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were colleagues, there were people she interviewed with. Um, if anyone broached the idea of hiring another expert on the African diaspora, for instance, Jess would assert that she already did that. Uh, she, you know, acted like, according to colleagues, she knew the history of anybody who was black in the whole world, any time, any place, any language. Um, she graded extremely harshly. Uh, she showed up for class in tight tops, dresses, leather leggings, heels. Her hair was wavy and artificially black. And she sometimes slipped into Spanglish, which again is an invention that only starts emerging circa 2010. Uh, she joked about her Puerto Rican heritage and her devotion to her native Bronx. Um, and, you know, some some kids... She probably just started listening to the Bodega Boys and just got real into it. I mean, you gotta wonder. That happens sometimes. Uh, the Bodega Pilled people. She was on Tinder, you know. She she refused to go on dates to any, quote, gentrifier spots. Uh, one date was quoted as saying it was all F whites, F the police, <laughs> F capitalism, all that stuff. Uh, this she was, was fully committed. This was an Afro-Latino man, Afro-Latino man, uh, and he found her just sort of weird and off-putting. Uh, so she's, you know, basically self-destructive um, and, you know, lashed out at friends. If you look at photos from her, she clearly was trying to present herself as appearing <laughs> ethnically uh, black mm-hmm. in, in, or, or at least some some portion Right there, there appears to be some artificial bronzing going on, some tanning. I mean, if you you saw Dolajal, you know how it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the story just sort of lays out how people knew, and that it just kind of built into this thing that eventually overcame her. Um, one of the, uh, you know, so is that the big? Uh, is that the big kind of interesting? Uh, well, the, what the, it tells us about society upshot is that. Uh, someone in this situation in this moment in time can uh kind of get away with this in the sense uh that you know even putting aside the i don't know philosophical questions about identity that people can uh realize something is amiss but <clears throat> don't feel comfortable saying it is amiss and you know what is, what does that tell us about right. you know so, this so freaking society we live in or whatever get a load of this society so i i think yeah the idea is um, you know, one of the people they interview who, whom they asked about her behavior here said, well, I, you know, I think it's possible to get so caught up in the sort of personal stories of the people you're researching that you 
you know, kind of begin to internalize them as your own. Um, I, I find that a little bit difficult to relate to. Um, for instance, I'm a minor in Jewish studies. I, I did Jewish studies at Brandeis. I uh, have never presented myself as Jewish. Uh, wouldn't pretend. <laughs> um, and uh, I think, you know, you, you study the experiences of particular groups with an eye towards, you know, respecting and, and understanding those experiences and how they factor into world history, um, not adopting them as your own. But I will say that there was this kind of um, rigorousness at Brandeis around evaluating, you know, the story of different groups of Jewish people, European Jews, American Jews, etc., and it, it was much more interested in sort of the material uh, destinations, the, the, the challenges of immigration and integration and the kind of population level sociological shifts and politics than individuals' personal subjective experiences of those things. That's what was focused on at Brandeis. I think if you wind up focusing almost strictly on the individual subjective experience of trauma, it's much more likely that you're going to wind up a kind of internalizing some of that and and b feeling like you need to be able to tell that story about yourself to justify your own study mm-hmm. right because when yeah, yeah no that's that part is more believable right is like this was something you were interested in intellectually and then you realize that within the prevailing discourse norms at some level in order to make yourself the top, top, top expert in it, you also have to have certain identity bona fides. And then yes. at that point, maybe you make a decision to say, well, you know, this is the only path forward. Right. Like either either that or it's going to all be blown up and I'll have done all this work and, you know, I don't know, become an expert or whatever. Because it looked like some of her academic stuff was was celebrated in the area right like non non uh, coercively <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah no i could see that for sure and so I, I you know i think even as a journalist right i mean it's not that i internalize other people's stories as having happened to me but it is the case that over time you repeatedly expose yourself to really traumatic uh experiences that people have had it, it does affect you in certain ways. I mean, it, it comes to be something that you that you know about, that you think about. It's something that you, you know, intimately understand the experiences of trauma that you yourself have not had. And that becomes something that you live with. I think it affects some people more severely than others. Um, but I, again, I think that part of the job is remaining, you know, strictly encased in your own set of experiences and identity. Uh, such that you can, you know, tell these stories. Um, but I can see how people who, you know, who do not think very much about their role and what they're supposed to be doing, uh, you know, could have other experiences. I mean, I think that the point that I would make and what the piece suggests is it's not as cynical as it looks. It's weirder than that. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Every time this happens, you know, we have the same conversation in the discourse about why are all of these white women pretending to be uh, black or Afro-Latina or something that they're not. And occasionally you get a man 
who does the same thing. There was that author who passed away. The Washington Post looked into his past and it turned out that, you know, it was completely made up. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, you do see that here and there. And I think oftentimes, as in Dolezal, it's, it's a suggested that it's purely cynical. These people are just doing this because it's their way into a tenure track position. Uh, and she did get tenure, Jessica Krug. Um, and they don't actually care, you know, about the people or the stuff they're studying. And I mean, I definitely think that getting by in their industry is part of the motive. But I also think there's more to it than that, right? Because uh, there are a lot of ways you can get by in your industry, right? But this, this, especially in her case, far exceeded what would be necessary just to get by. That's true. That's you know? true. No, uh, some obviously something beyond that is going on. Uh, or she could have tried to live a double life. Or, but uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's, it's a weird uh, cu cutting off her family. It's a weird situation. A lot of a lot of lot of ingredients go into something like that. I suppose to get to that level, right? Um, but anyways, that's an interesting. You know, hey, I feel like that's sort of like the um, everything has its like uh, extreme uh, sort of uh, manifestations. Yeah, and that's got to be an extreme manifestation. I I mean, and dull is all for that matter of yes. our current moment, right? Because if yeah. certain aspects of the sort of identitarian framework as it's been established were not present, I, yeah. I doubt that the pressures would have led her, you know, steering in the way that it did, mixed right. with obviously other defects that she personally had, uh, you know, push someone in this direction. It's like every little framework and, and way that you can do things will get someone off into some weird fringe little thing that you would have never expected. And those are interesting cases to look at just to, you know, see how all the puzzle pieces stack up, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's very strange. Um, and I think unfortunately we'll probably see quite a bit more of this, not only kind of lagging indicators, you know, over time. Um, but <laughs> I think you'll see more development of, of this kind of stuff for the reasons I've outlined, but also because the discursive sphere, uh, you know, the way that people talk in this area of study, uh, so foregrounds subjective experiences uh, that, it, you know, it, it, it rewards sort of trafficking and that kind of thing um, as opposed to, you know, maybe more abstract or theoretical uh, discussions. So, last up, and uh -huh. uh, I guess segment two mm -hmm. is the uh, <laughs> Bernie is once again canceled. The, yeah, we t mm -hmm. I talked about this briefly, and we may have both talked about this a little bit in the prior ones. You know, there was the inauguration. Bernie was in his coat with his gloves, and it was a big hit. Yeah, um, people freaked the fuck out. They were like, "Smile, sweetie." Yeah, and you know, I remember you know some people were pointing this out, like, "Oh, a lot of people are really upset at this," and then people were like, "Well, I don't know. Yeah. You're just picking people," but. Now we can say, hey, it was in the San Francisco Chronicle. So it not only was a person who was upset, but it made it past editor at a major publication. Absolutely. So that's got to count for something. But there was a piece about Bernie, uh, Bernie's meme yep. uh, that was uh, titled, San Francisco High School Students Get a Lesson in Subtle White Privilege Yep. Um, by Mrs. Ingrid Sayer-Ochi. 
mm-hmm. who is apparently a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll just read a little bit of that, see what you think. I don't know if you've read this yet, so uh-huh. maybe get your take on it. Go for it. Three weeks ago, I processed the Capitol insurrection with my high school students. Oh, so God. right off the bat, what it processed. You, you can imagine getting into a high school class and your teacher's like, we're going to process. We're going to process some news today, guys. Look at those images. Tell me what you think. How does it make you feel? Put it up on your little placard. Hold it up to the, to the camera, please. Joey, do not draw a dick on your placard. <laughs> it did not make you feel like a dick, or maybe it did, but write it out. Um, I, I, got, I need to go to the nurse. I'm not, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> or if I was a senior, I'd just get in my car and leave. Rallying our inquiry skills, we analyzed the images of that historic day. Images of white men storming through the Capitol, fearless and with no forces to stop them. This, I said, is white supremacy. Okay. This is white privilege. It can be hard to pinpoint, but when we see it, we know it. Sure. So. All right. So what the fuck did Bernie have to do with that? Was he the Viking this guy? Is, this is the run-up, okay. you know? We got to get that contrast. We were doing white supremacy on that mm-hmm. day. We're processing um, it. Across our Zoom screen, they affirmed with nods, thumbs up, and emojis of anger and frustration. So I can imagine that. Okay, yeah, thumbs up. All right, sure. Sure, yeah. Um, fast forward okay. two weeks as we analyzed images from the inauguration, asking again, what do we see? We saw diversity, creativity, and humanity, and a nation embracing all of this and more. On this day of the inauguration, Bernie Sanders was barely on our radar. Radar. The next day, he was everywhere. Now, one of the things I think is interesting about... I would have never thought for like three or four years ago that there really were people out there who basically the whole thing is just kind of like what kind of presentationally interests them. Yeah. Like... Oh, I saw a black woman on TV, and I really like that. Like, yeah, it's like about that. managing their feelings. Like, I would have thought that's that is like no one really, but there are. There literally no, are a lot real, of people, yeah. and a certain kind, especially a certain kind of like educational strata, for whom they just want to be affirmed in their kind of cosmopolitan um, yeah. diversity kind of Robin D'Angelo sort of universe, right? Yeah. And like you'd say. No, surely you got to have something that you're in. It's like, no, that's it. I want to see that. Right. I want to see certain faces in certain places. That's what I want. Like, really? That's your whole, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's where you are, okay. But, and this is a thing I'll never understand anymore these days, especially post-Hillary, is at what, it, 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 it doesn't matter at all who the actual democratic person uh you know who's running for president or whatever who they actually are yeah you just read on to the idea that they're some kind of like diverse multicultural whatever yeah i mean in what sense if you're analyzing this objectively and you're the kind of person who's really into this sort of style of analysis Mm -hmm. would you not look at what at the inauguration and be like that's white supremacy right it's fucking Joe Biden. <laughs> there you go. Like another white president, another white male president. I mean, I More guess we had Obama, men, guess. but that was the only one who could beat Trump. Not a woman. A woman couldn't do it. We got Trump because people were mad at Obama. And the yep. only way we could get back in power was to put an old white 
man who is himself quite conservative and pitched himself as a conservative moderate. That is white supremacy. We got white supremacy everywhere. We got the overt white supremacy of the Capitol insurrection, and then we've got the more subtle white supremacy of only being able to elect another boring, conservative, white male as president. But instead, she's like, Joe Biden, that administration, that represents diversity and multiculturalism and the success of POC and women. And you're like, what the fuck is going on This with is you? healing to me. Nature <laughs> is healing. Uh, I mean, I get that in his inaugural ritual and process, they you know sprinkled people in i mean they do that by the way very cynically in dc i don't i mean i, mean, I, I don't know I how people can't see that it's super cynical considering that the <laughs> gop if you watch the rnc this year is in the process of ramming nikki haley down your throat you're gonna see a lot more of nikki haley because yes. she's a woman of color she actually is and they're gonna be like well what's your problem what's your complaint now yeah, yeah. well conservatives love to do that right and, and they're gonna call you out on your bullshit doing it but Democrats, they don't do it in 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 the in, ex, in the kind of own you by your own logic way. But they are just realize that no, people like it. It's just cynical. It's just a cynical. Right. Exactly. It's like <laughs> you piggies love this, don't you? Right. It's like oh, this is the marketing thing that's going to work. Well, I'll do this marketing thing that's going to work. I mean, it's it's completely completely cynical. It's it's and and I mean, also, how was the inauguration not a celebration of white supremacy? A not just because they were inaugurating Biden, but like wasn't Lady Gaga kind of the headliner? And it, couldn't you easily pose what the about argument Jennifer Lopez that like a black woman doing what Gaga did wouldn't get where she has gotten and so forth? Like all of these arguments are infinitely applicable. Yeah, a lot of the artists were white. Um, but whatever. I mean, yeah. But she's into it. Okay. Who cares? What do we see the next day? I asked again. We've been studying diversity and discrimination in the United States. My students were ready. What did they see? They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens, distant not only in his social distancing, but in his demeanor and attire. Mm -hmm. We took in the meaning of the day, the vulnerability of democracy, the power of which ritual traditions, and the peaceful transition of power. Yeah. So. Okay. I guess. Sounds good. I mean, he's a, he's a little old man, and there's a pandemic, so I don't know what you want him to be making out with people or whatever, but Okay. We talked about gender and the possible meanings of the attire chosen by Vice President Kamala Harris, Dr. Okay. Jill Biden, the Biden grandchildren, Michelle Obama, Amanda Gorman, and others. Okay. We referenced the female warriors inspiring these women, the colors of their educational degrees, and their monochromatic ensembles of pure power. Uh, I think that's because they're on TV. They're, you're generally advised to wear solid colors, but whatever, <laughs> fine, sure. You want to talk about their clothes. I like talking about people's clothes, clothes and too. the color of their educational degrees. I don't understand what that means. Like, I think, you know, With if you diploma? get a certain kind of um, grad program, like you, you get certain kind of, uh, you know, like, uh, what do they call them? Like the fucking things you put on your shoulders. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have, like, different Sashes for your gown yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gives a rat's ass. I might have to get a stupid just looking thing to graduate from Cambridge. Imagine you know? the sickness here in which she's just like. I mean, I saw this all over the place in women's rags as well, right after the inauguration, which is like, I need a huge political excuse to write a whole post about what I thought of everyone's outfits. I'm like, you don't need an excuse, babe. If you want to talk about somebody having a cool outfit, just talk about somebody having a fucking cool outfit. 
right? I mean, this is all that Golden Globes and Oscars coverage is. No, it, it's a meaningful. It's actually oh, okay. about empowerment. Oh and Somebody wore a yellow coat. They're fucking cool yeah, looking. You don't see too much of well, that. Well, but what does the yellow mean? Oh, okay. Yellow is about money and she has a lot of it. And no, that's really no, about no, pure no, power no, in that wrong. sense. Um, Some people were purple. I mean, I'm like, fine. Yeah, purple's cool shit. So here's know? the contrast here. And there, across all our news and social media feeds, was Bernie. Bernie memes. Bernie sweatshirts. Endless love for Bernie. Mm -hmm. I puzzled and fumed. As an individual, I strove to be my best possible teacher. What did I see? What did I think my students should see? A wealthy, incredibly well-educated and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens? Uh... So you you freaked out because Bernie was wearing a coat. And there's the the money shot. I mean, in no way to overstate the parallels, Senator Sanders is no white supremacist insurrectionist, but Uh, he manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege in ways that my students could see and feel. Okay. So, well, it does raise the question, what does she want him to wear? Yeah. Like, there's so many ways you can go with clothing as a symbolic thing. I mean, one thing is just to be like, that's cool. That makes that person look cool. Or it's an interesting outfit or another thing. But if you're trying to go this symbolic path, it's you can kind of go a lot of ways with it. So on the one hand, one way to look at his outfit is to be like, oh, this is great. He's not trying to uh, show up anyone. He's not trying to make it about him. He wants to make sure that uh, Kamalo's monochromatic educational degree colors shines through. And that he's just kind of looked over, right? That would be one way to put it, right? Because isn't that a thing? Like, uh, if you're if you're at someone's special day or whatever, you don't try to yeah, you don't try to outshine the bride, outshine huh? the bride, exactly. Yeah. So, how why not go that way with it? Be like, he's not outshining anyone, yeah. but instead well, they're saying no, he needs to. Where what exactly like uh, like those outfits that those British people who uh, <laughs> like hunt foxes on horses wear <laughs> like a red uh, riding jacket <laughs> breeches and leather knee boots yeah. <laughs> it's just, just go yeah. <laughs> be like top of the morning to you okay pick on Irish. No, uh, Bernie, but he's trying you know, you know he's trying to piece it together I just feel like if you're going to be at the inauguration you need to look sexy <laughs> and I don't know why there was no effort on Bernie's part to dress up in something that was sexy, right? <laughs> I guess he should have worn... He, so, I mean, what do men like that wear that's acceptable, right? You have to wear an overcoat that looks like a suit jacket sort of, right? Yeah. And then you have to wear leather gloves for some fucking reason. Men your, love leather gloves. Your gloves have to be levered. That's the only acceptable look for like being in the cold. No, they want him to wear like a snappy tailored suit with like a heavy trench coat over it, like a woolen coat and like a nice cashmere scarf. And and leather gloves, and he'd just be out there looking like John fucking Boehner, <laughs> and that's just not so who Bernie weird. is, he right? Like, looks so weird. And they're like, you have to look exactly the way I want you to look, <laughs> such that no one will notice you. But newsflash: if he dressed like that, people would fucking notice the hell out of that. That's what that's I'm saying, not Bernie. That, well, yeah, it would look very weird for Bernie, so yeah. people would wonder what's going on. But also, now he's in the mix. Like yeah. he's, it's good. He's fading in the background. Um, it's just stupid I don't understand like there's nothing he could do that would be right because whatever he's going to do people are going to notice him and they're going to feel fondly about him because he's one of the most popular politicians in the United States because he's honest with people to a degree that other politicians are not and that's going to continually piss off people who are like trying to party and be like all of my enemies are vanquished because no 
Bernie's still just hanging around, right? I mean, he showed up. He didn't have to. Like, he's very yes. old. It's There's literally a pandemic going on, which these very people have been fucking freaking out about for the last year, not unjustifiably. But yes, he is not running around shaking hands with people and snuzzling them because there's a fucking pandemic happening. And if he catches coronavirus, it's going to kill him. He's already had a heart attack. So I'm sorry he's just sitting in his chair waiting for the event to begin, right? Instead of going up and, I don't know, doing some kind of weird BDSM routine, asking Amanda Gorman to step on his nuts or whatever. Like, yeah, he's just being Bernie. He's just sitting there. That's the joke, right? There's just nothing he could have done. No, no, no. That would have resulted in just, him being left she alone. She just hates him. And she, and she hates, first and foremost, the fact that people like him. Yes. And people like the image of him. That's what she hates. I mean, she actually says it at one point. Yeah. Everyone loved Bernie. Right. It's white supremacy that people like Bernie. <laughs> Jesus. Um, How when you it? see privilege, you know it. I told them oh, weeks yeah. before. That's absolutely I not love fucking this. true. What a great educator. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's what like. What class is this? Yes, your teacher, your teacher who's supposed to be helping you understand concepts just speaks to you like someone on Twitter who's like, it's not my job to educate you. Like, lady, <laughs> you're supposed, if you're teaching me privilege, if whatever the fucking weird ass class this is, like social mm -hmm. justice in America, that is your job, actually. I'm only fucking 14 years old. Please lay it out for me. Right. Don't just be like, well, you, when you see it, you know. Right. We like, all know. Come on, we all know. What even fucking class is this? What am I supposed to be learning, for God's sake? I like, want to know if this happened. You know what? We need to uh, figure out some of the kids in the class, and we need to do we need to do a follow-up report. That's, that's on you, because you're the news reporter person. Okay. And so... We're going to see what class this was, and we're going to talk to the students, and, and we'll give them, you know, off the record to help with their grades, um, but we'll, we'll see what they had to say about this, because I wonder if, if all this is true. I kind of wonder whether all yeah, this is true. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm interested in, you know, because a lot of the times people are just, uh, you know, maybe being just a little bit slightly dishonest about what they're doing, like um, there was a post on Child Free, the subreddit. Okay. Where a lady, we should go through child free sometime true, just yeah. for a special cast, um, where she's like, kids were playing in my driveway uh, and I told them off and, you know, flipped off their moms or whatever. And I'm like, that's cool. That didn't happen. Uh, but it's cool. So people are always posting about shit that they fantasize about. Uh, but like, if it did happen, like, what fucking class is this? Is this like math? Where we go in, the teacher's like, today we're going to process our feelings about the capital sack, and we're also going to talk about some outfits from the inauguration. So I do wonder, yeah, is it civics or something? can you list your favorite um, outfits from the inauguration? Do not write Bernie. <laughs> do not put that shit down. That is privilege. Everyone's just kind of uh, humoring her because yeah. they're trying to get grades. I'm like, well, I know Kids she doesn't like, like Bernie. Yeah, no, so. I love... Biden's outfit. Um, he looked very pretty. Uh, uh, his wife's a doctor. She's going to cure coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I. She. I. She should always be called doctor. She. Uh, she should have worn a lab coat. Doctor Sayer Ochi. Yeah. Um, doctor. <laughs> I'm just using doctor as an honorific for all women now. It's doctor. Not, doctor Harris looked great. You know she, what's not so sweet? What the blindness I see of okay. so many. Whoa, ableist. Yeah. Take it easy there, lady. Bernie included to the privileges Bernie represents. 
I don't know many poor or working class or female or struggling to be taken seriously folk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is to say me, yes. uh, Ingrid, Sarah, OG. <laughs> My big struggle in this life is everyone looks at me like I'm a clown. Uh, <laughs> because I act like one. Yeah. No, it's because of oppression. Okay. And because Bernie wears, wears those big ass gloves <laughs> that I'm stuck in the situation where everyone's like, Ingrid, you're a fucking nutcase clown. Yeah. Now, if no. Bernie took off those mittens that a school teacher made for him, uh, which he's had for years, then people would start recognizing that I should be the one in charge of everything. She uses she uses folk without the S. Okay, so, why? Like unless, folk music? Unless those same folk had privilege, I think that might be a little AAV there. But okay, is she black? No, she is not. Okay, I'll show you a well, picture. That's of her. not you shocking. Want, you want to see a picture of her? Let's see it. Okay. Um, here you go. <laughs> Someone's already cooked it up. Hmm. She appears to be a blue-eyed white woman. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Yeah. I think, you know, white passing at the very least, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> she looks whiter than I do. Oh, here's her education. Stanford. Stamp- There's yeah. your problem. There's your problem. There's your problem. <laughs> Go to the Ivy League, wind up teaching school, freaking out constantly, feeling like Bernie took it away from you. That's what did right. you deserve? You probably couldn't even say, but no, you know it was something else. Yeah, she's like, I went to Stanford and I've got to deal with these fucking kids every day. You don't, man. These fucking 13-year-old you know. shitheads. Get your, get your PhD like Dr. Jill Biden. You could be a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, she's got a little tattoo on her arm Mm, okay well i mean you know it's it's just so frustrating because this has been going on since 15 right we're like yeah and it's like years into this and it's over like god almighty like let it go man you won and you know you won leave it fucking yeah but they're pissed because they know they didn't win (laughs) <laughs> they didn't win right. in the way that they wanted to win, which again goes back to the original point, which is that for certain people, which boggles the mind, that is the winning is not yeah. anything other than this kind of cultural representation and you know certain faces in certain places and certain receptions to those faces among everyone in society and so on, right? Right. So it, it doesn't it, matter who yeah. won the office and who has the power. It matters that when people see Bernie. By and large, even people who are against him politically are like, oh, Bernie's a cool guy and he's, you know, he's an authentic, interesting fellow. Right. Right. I mean, and this 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 freak out about Bernie here at the very end, I think, is is vastly aggravated by the fact that, you know, they didn't want it to be Biden. Right. That's why they're trying to focus on the vice president. That's true. (laughs) Imagine that's how you have to deal with the next four years. You have to fixate on someone who has, well, she has now a decent amount of power because she's a tiebreaker in the in the. Yeah, but she's just going to tiebreak for the Dems, right? Like, yeah, she's not going to be able to be the one who like dictates what happens. She's not Schumer. She'll and she'll tiebreak, however. uh, Biden tells her to. Newsflash: Biden picked her entire staff for her. This is not a power player in the White House, folks. Yeah, she's she's gearing up. This is a a a way for her to be able to run later, obviously. So. Which is fine. Like and it's still it's significant. Whatever, but like, it's just that you know. if you're focused, if you're fixated on the characters in politics and that's the only way you can feel good or bad about it, you need to kind of check out for a little while and reevaluate what's going on with you, is my view. All righty, well. All right. Hope you like uh, you know, we 
a nice little grab bag today. You know, nice little grab bag, just a little a potpourri cast. Yeah, you know? people like that. I people feel like love you know, that. they like like segments. You they know? love the segments. Oh. They love the segments. And the the rest of Patreon is coming soon. Uh, I I just have to spool some stuff mm-hmm. up. Uh, I got some I got some free time coming up. I got some vacay I'm being forced to take. Rolled mm-hmm. over from last year. Um, mm-hmm. in the meantime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stay stay well. Don't get the Rona. Uh, don't die while shoveling snow like Matt almost did. Nope. Um, yeah, permanent back damage. Permanent back damage. No, I like to be vigorous. Mm-hmm. I now have dignity of a working man. Hmm. So. Yeah, dignity deficit is cured now. Well, check back in uh, next week, and we will get back to you on that guest app we whiffed on. All righty, bye-bye. Bye-bye.